0: Good evening, and welcome to Wednesday Night Bible Study. It's good to be with you again, and uh, I'm glad you joined in tonight. And I really hope that everybody is doing well, uh, being uh, restrained in a sense with the uh, coronavirus pandemic. And um, again, no doubt it's affecting all of us, and I want to just continue to encourage people in our fellowship and anyone really if anybody's in need, please please let us know and uh, we have people Available and ready to help people out as much as we can uh, If anybody needs groceries or you know uh, some elderly that needs anything done, please let us know we want to we want to be uh, Able to help out in any way we can if you need prayer. I want to encourage you uh, To reach out to your brothers and sisters in the Lord And by all means contact me as needed you can text me you can email me you can call me so uh, now's the time that we rally together and if you again you need prayer uh, please let let me know well uh, you know the Bible tells us to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and so on the peace of God even in times that we're dealing with we can experience the peace of God and certainly in times of any uncertainty we can have the peace of God when we have peace with the Lord knowing that his presence is with us and um, well I think what the Lord would really want us to know through this time is that uh, we are not without hope we are not without hope with the Lord there is hope with him all things are possible and um, even in the midst of again even in the midst of these times but What's on my heart for tonight is to, uh, you know, I hear the phrase, God is in control, and certainly He is. God is in control all the time. There's never been a time that God is not in control, but I hear that phrase and uh, even hear it from those who don't know the Lord, and it kind of pricked my mind and pricked my heart, and to ask myself the question, how do we know... That God is in control. How do we know that God is in control and um, You know there again. This isn't just a phrase um, That we say uh, without meaning um, To say that God is in control just to say it you're only looking for something emotional to bring some sense of peace and hope and uh, truly there isn't substance in that, but tonight I want to I focus on this theme, that God is in control, and we know that He's in control from His Word, and I especially want to look at God in control and look at prophecy. Again, uh, I believe the Lord put this on my heart just to share some very foundational things Uh, to believers and hopefully if any non-believers are watching that uh, we can have a sense that God is in control as he's always been in control and and look at prophecy you know there's uh, so many people uh, that are struggling and having anguish and fear and anxiety uh, because when we think of uh what is going on and you hear the hysteria especially coming from the media our mainstream media there's a sense that comes to our minds and our hearts that you know are we living in a time where the world is going to end and and to me this is interesting um you know as for believers these foundational things that we'll look at tonight from the scriptures these are foundational things that uh, God wants us to know. Such things as the the rapture of the church, the antichrist, the tribulation period, the mark of the beast, and so forth. And all these are for good reason. Um, we certainly are living in a time of uh, abnormal... It's, it's abnormal, the time that we're living in. This is not what it's normally like. Um, but for the believer... Uh, these things are written on our heart when we think about the rapture of the church and the uh, second coming uh, of Jesus Um, but in through all of that as we look through these prophecy these elements of the Word of God that points to prophetic things or things that are in the future um, we can have assurance and I believe that's where a lot of believers are when they're following the Lord they have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding but we also have assurance that the days that we're living in uh, is not a surprise to God. It's not uh, you know, something that came up on God and surprised Him in any fashion. Uh, but when you <clears throat> living in these times and you think about, I guess I'll speak for non-believers here and, and just what I've heard from people, is this the end of the world? And that's a loaded question. Uh, If we think that we're living in in the end of the world or think in times that the world might end as we know it, certainly other things come in mind like judgment, you know, the judgment of God. And while it's true that um, there is going to come an end to the world, but that doesn't mean we are to be fearful, uh, afraid. And so we can look at the Word of God and we can say God is in control based on prophetic things. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. Uh, Bible prophecy, again, these are foundational things that I'm going to be sharing tonight. Foundation to the believer, these are basic elements and uh, of discipleship, uh, learning how to follow the Lord, learning about God, learning about His nature and His character, and then living out our relationship uh, with Him. So when we think about Bible prophecy, uh For starters, we must understand that a third, or roughly, almost, a third of the Bible contains prophecies. In principle, uh, they fall into different categories, such things as prophecies concerning Israel, in particular the land that Israel, that God's given Israel. We have the formation of Israel as a nation. We have prophetic things given uh, that have been fulfilled, the exile of the nation um, and how they return to their land and the restoration of Israel and yet future times. So these are prophecies concerning Israel and so uh, that's one category that prophecies uh, fall into. We also see that prophecies concerning the Gentile world. You know back in the book of Daniel in chapters 11 and 12 and really other places in Daniel we see the different kingdoms of man set up under man uh, that are given and we're given prophecies of what what would happen to those kingdoms and some of those have been fulfilled and some of those have yet been fulfilled or yet to be fulfilled that we'll see in the future. And then another category of the prophecies of God is prophecies surrounding lord jesus christ the messiah and in the old testament there are several hundred prophecies concerning jesus and uh, when he came um, uh, his first coming fulfilled over 120 prophecies regarding uh, his coming and there are many other prophecies uh, pointing to his second coming and so when you think about prophecy We must think, why prophecy? Why does God put in His Word these things, or why does God in His Word emphasize prophecy? Well, number one, it's because He loves us. Uh, Through prophecy, God gives warning, and He wants His people to be aware of what is happening. He wants His people to be informed. And so, Um, you know, interesting when you think of prophecy then and how God uh, informs us in His Word, Um, we look back and every prophecy that's already been fulfilled has been accurate 100%. And so that tells us right there that God is in control. And so His plans are being fulfilled. All things that are happening in the world, again, is does not leave God surprised, but all of history, we really can be defining it as His story. From cre- creation, from when He created the universe, until there is no more earth as we know it, uh, it's His story. History, His story. And so when you think about Um, Speaking of things in the future um, God has a lot to say and this is where I want to share Tonight with if you would turn with me in your Bibles to 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 Again, we're going to be looking at some prophecies. This is not meant to be uh, an exhaustive study, but foundational Um, putting things in in order as far as time and in 1 Thessalonians chapter four, <coughs> excuse me, we have a prophecy um, you know given by the Apostle Paul uh, to the church of Thessalonia. and God wanted them to know these things. At this particular time, there were those believers in that city that were concerned about their loved ones who had already died. They were believers, but they had died, and so they didn't understand. They were concerned at some false teaching of what would happen to them. So Paul clears that up, and in this, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, we have what is known as the rapture, the rapture of the church. And so let's pick up First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14. Now let's go back to verse 13. We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain "...until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And so this is a very interesting uh, passage of Scripture that deals with the rapture of the church. And as Paul points out, this rapture is a time when, when the Lord Himself def- descends from heaven and those who are alive... Are caught up or snatched up, harpazio, a violent snatching up believers who will meet the Lord in the air. And so, as the scriptures point out, the dead in Christ, those who are in Christ but who have passed away, will precede those who are alive. And so, those who are alive refers to anybody who is alive in Christ at that particular time when Jesus comes and takes his church out of this world. Now I'm going to stop for a second here. I understand two important things here. Number one, there are those that say that the rapture or the doctrine of the rapture is nothing more than a crutch for believers and uh, I've heard that more than once many times actually. But nevertheless, we have the Word of God here. And number two, there is debate as far as when the rapture of the church takes place. And I'll touch on that in a few minutes. But then there's another another thing. Some will say, this is so far-fetched. How could you possibly believe that Jesus would come back for His church, that He would descend from heaven and snatch believers up before uh, you know before the tribulation now To that I would say this It is something that is literally out of this world It's something that might seem a little far-fetched, but let me ask you this. Let's go back to Genesis 1 1 real quick It says in Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth I do not believe the rapture of the church, Jesus descending from heaven, coming for His church, is any more far-fetched than what we read in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is a creator. He created out of nothing. He spoke the uh, creation into existence. And what about this? Is the rapture of the church, is it so far-fetched Would not an empty tomb of, say, a Messiah, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that tomb being empty after He went to the cross and was buried three days, and on the third day He resurrected? My point in this is, if we can believe Genesis 1-1, and if we can believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and resurrected on the third day, this should not be unbelievable, uh, the rapture of the church. So, we have this then, the rapture of the church. And I just want to point out that along prophetic lines, as the timeline of God, and and I know people at our church, you've heard me say this for years and years and years, if we can get the timeline of the prophetic events, things that will take place in the future, if we can nail down the timeline in it all, then we can understand what the Bible says. And so with the rapture, the rapture is the next big uh, event on God's timeline. There is nothing that has to take place for the rapture of the church. There's nothing that has to take place for Jesus to descend from heaven and to come for His church. And uh, that's a good thing. Because then, through that, if we know that there's nothing that uh, prevents Jesus from coming, we can be ready. Now, I'll touch on that uh, some more as well. Now, I want to point out then, there's different views, different beliefs of when Jesus comes back for His church. The doctor that I personally hold to and believe with deep, deep conviction is that Jesus comes back for his church, what we read right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm convinced that this happens before the tribulation period. Now that I've said the tribulation period, I want to share the tribulation period is a time in history, yet future, a seven-year period of time uh, that has many events in that, which we'll, Lord willing, get to more tonight. Um, and then after the seven-year tribulation period, we have the second coming of Jesus. So we need to understand when we look at the events taking place on our timeline, the rapture of the church is separate from the second coming of Jesus. It says here in First Thessalonians, that the Lord will meet His church, or we will meet Him, meet the Lord, in the air. At the second coming of Jesus, He comes to earth. Okay, so that's uh, you can read about that in Revelation chapter 19. But one thing we want to say, uh, why would God show us this? What, what does He want us to see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, with this doctrine of the rapture? Well, it's very simple, verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Again, it goes back to the uh, when we began our study tonight, looking at prophecy. Why does God want us to understand the things in the Bible? Well, He wants to uh, love us. He wants to share with us that He is indeed in control. And He wants us to live in such a way that we are ready for His return, ready for Him to come for His church. And uh, one thing that we certainly will get into uh, another aspect of prophecy is, you know, God warns people. God warns and has continually warned and continues to warn this day that there is judgment coming. And throughout God speaking to his prophets in the Old Testament, we read how God used these men and even women who would declare the word of God, that the judgment of God would be coming and uh and he did that because of his love and it's the same way for for you and I uh when we think about these end times God God loves us he wants us to not be uninformed he wants us to be informed he wants us to experience his peace and he wants to understand that uh we are to live a life that is pleasing to him that is uh a very foundational thing for us living for the lord and when we go home to be with the Lord, when we come into the presence of the Lord, we can we can hear those words, uh, "Well done, good and faithful servant." So again, um, I want to share a couple of verses then why I believe we, uh, you know, are true to the word, or the word teaches us about a pre-tribulation rapture. And um, if we go to Revelation chapter three, verse ten, Revelation verse 3 excuse me Revelation chapter 3 verse 10 it says here because you have kept the word of my perseverance I, will, I also will keep you from the hour of testing that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth I am coming quickly, hold fast what you have so that no one will take your crown. And in this, Jesus is speaking to the church of Philadelphia. But I think this connects with the character and nature of God uh, for his church, um, that he will rescue us or deliver us before that seven-year period of tribulation occurs. And from the word of God, we're told, Jesus himself said, that that seven-year tribulation period, especially the second three and a half years, will be a time uh, like no other time on earth. This is where God is going to pour out His judgment on earth. And you can read about the tribulation period in Revelation chapter 6, verse 19. That all contains the judgment that will be going on here on earth, but praise God. Believers will be taken out. We will have been raptured. Now another verse or passage, if you will, if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to encourage you, if you have any questions, please feel free to just write in there. um, As we're watching tonight, I'll see if we can't get to them. If we don't get them tonight, we'll get them sometime. Because the Lord doesn't want us to be uninformed. He wants us to know these things. But in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, verse 51, Behold, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, And the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this imperishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death where is your victory o death where is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to god who gives the victory through the lord jesus christ and believers will experience at this time as they are raptured if they if you know if we are part of the the generation or the believers who are taken out of this world, we will experience the victory in such a way in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, in the twinkling of an eye, again, this is not pertaining to those who don't know the Lord. Those who don't know the Lord will not be raptured. Those who don't know the Lord will enter into that seven-year tribulation period. Uh, which we'll talk about more. But I just want to point out, non-believers do not get raptured. The Lord's not coming back for non-believers. He's coming back for those who have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's putting coming back for them. He's promised them. And He wants us to be comforted with knowing that. So if you will, also then, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You know, I'm trying to be so clear, but when we come to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, you kind of get a lot given to us that can kind of distort our timeline. It's not that God desires to do that, uh, it's the Apostle Paul encouraging the believers again here at the Church of Thessalonica. But I want to pick up <clears throat> in verse 3 of 2 Thessalonians. It says, Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every every so-called god or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. And so here, we have so much given to us. And now let's dissect this. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. There was some false teaching going around, whether it be a letter or verbally, <clears throat> during this time, and even with some letters, they were signing Paul's name to it. And the false teaching surrounded <clears throat> um that the rapture had already occurred and these believers were entering into the seven-year tribulation or what is known as the day of the Lord. <clears throat> and so Paul's encouraging the believers there that no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. It won't come. He's referring to the tribulation and the apostasy. Now that's an interesting word, apostasy, and it's debated as to what this word apostasy means. Some believe it's meaning to the departure of the church. Some refer it to as a departure of the faith. And I'll say this, in the church world, in the world that we're living in in this day, we are living in a time where the church has gone apostate, meaning the church has left the word of God, the church has Left true worship of God, as Jesus said, we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, We also uh, understand by leaving the word of God, uh, the, the message of salvation, the biblical salvation message that Christ came to die for our sin. And that he was buried and he resurrected on the third day. And the Bible says that if you admit that, if you believe that, and you confess that, you shall be saved. Well, we're hearing because so many people's churches have left the word of God, salvation is really up to your good works. And how pathetic is that? As a church, we have guidelines. This is our standard, the word of God. This is what a church does. They worship God through the word of God. And we're called to live according to God's ways that we please him. But again, we the church today so much in so many areas have just apostate. We we've left the truth. And so <clears throat> we have that. And then also in verse 3, he brings up the man of lawlessness. Now, I don't want to get in the weeds here, but to point out why while we're here in this passage in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, this man of lawlessness is referring to the antichrist okay so again the apostle paul here is encouraging the believers here no the rapture has not happened that's not going to happen until this apostasy the seven-year tribulation has not started the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed so that gives us uh, something to put on our timeline the man of lawlessness the antichrist is not revealed to the world until uh, until the right time. And, and Paul is telling them, now is not the time. So we're going to look at the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, and when he shows up in just a few minutes. But I want to get to the, what, the meat of what Paul was saying here. Look down to verse 5. He says, Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? Now this is important. This is an important scripture here because if the Apostle Paul was teaching the church about end times. Would it not be safe to say that we as believers should learn and not be uninformed about the end times and what the Bible teaches? And that's so important for us to understand. Some people think, well, it's just too controversial. Even the body of Christ, the Christian church, does not agree on all things. And hey... We don't have to agree on all things. Even even the time of the rapture. If people believe that the rapture of the church doesn't happen until the midway of the tribulation and, there's, and they haven't messed with the gospel message, I can fellowship with them. If there are those that claim that the, the rapture of the church doesn't come until after the seven-year tribulation, meaning the body of Christ will go through that time period, I'm not, I could still fellowship with them. I think they'll be pleasantly surprised, or at least that's my hope. And the uh, point is, we're not going to agree on everything. But one thing we do agree with when it comes to end times is that, without question, Jesus told his people to be ready. And so we are to live in such a way that we are ready for the Lord to come for his church. And so, important for us, that's why we're going through this. Verse 6 says, And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. The he is the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist. And here Paul uh, is pointing to uh, something that restrains the Antichrist from being revealed. Let me read verse 7. For the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So the restrainer is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in believers. Ephesians chapter 1 tell us at the moment that we hear the gospel message and respond to it, receive salvation from the Lord, um, we then... Uh, have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. Not that we're God, but we do have the Holy Spirit living in us. And so here we have uh, the Apostle Paul saying, um, there's this restrainer that's going to be revealed. And so I believe this is referring to his church, the Holy Spirit, inside believers and dwelling them, they are going to be taken out. And that happens again at the rapture. So I want you to think on this. Think about every single believer that is uh, living on this earth now taken out. If you think this virus the pandemic that we are living through now has brought chaos. During that time when the church is raptured, those very moments afterward, it will be much chaos on this earth. And so when Paul says this, he says the restrainer will be taken out and notice also he says the lawlessness is already at work. Lawlessness, really referring to man. I think everybody would agree with me that we're living in a time that morally speaking, it's, we are in such a down, downward spiral and that hasn't just been uh, happening in the last few years. This is the consequence of man trying to live without God. And when man tries to live without God, man sets himself up as God, meaning he is the one who uh, says what is right and what is wrong and what man ought to do. And when man does that, there is no standard. God is our moral law giver. He has given us the Ten Commandments. He's given us principles to live by. And when man does not do that, when there is not that law, and man does whatever he wants to do, it brings about chaos, it brings about wickedness, and it brings about evil. And folks, that is exactly where we are living today. We're living in a time like, um, you know, uh, it's much evil uh, going on throughout the world. But the church, the body of Christ believers, are uh, the restrainer. Once the church is taken out, it's, as we read in Revelation chapter 6 through 19, it's God's judgment, but man is, man's going to know he's under judgment by God and still shake his fist at God. I want to read on then because we have some neat things here that Paul says, or neat as I look at them. Verse 8 it says, then that lawless one, the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. Now we need to dissect this so we don't get confused here. It says, then the lawless one, that's the Antichrist. He will be revealed when? When the church is taken out. When the church is not here. When the restrainer is gone. At some point after the rapture of the church... The Antichrist will be revealed and it says here, and the Lord gives us a little preview of what's going to take place, the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring an end to his appearance of his coming. That's not the rapture, that's pointing to the second coming of Jesus. At the end of that seven year tribulation period, as we read in the book of Revelation, particularly verse 19, the Battle of Armageddon, there in the Valley of Megiddo, there is going to be that final battle. And the Lord is going to slay the Antichrist and all the forces that the Antichrist have that come, that is coming against Israel. So God's going to intervene, but that is not until the Second Coming. And then it says, that is the one who's coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders. So there's a lot of spiritual activity that's going to be taking place. And I want to tell you this, folks. There's a lot of spiritual activity being shown in the world today. I call it open demonic activity. We're talking such things as, uh, well, I was going to say government, but that might not be the great thing to say today. Um, But so many things, the moral decay, opening up such things as uh, what we've experienced in this in this nation, uh, you know, same sex marriage and abortion and the pedophilia stuff that's going around and the out and out evil. And now we're letting uh, evil people get out of jail. And it's already been reported, some of these guys that they've let out, one went and they already committed murder in the last few days here. I read a headline. I probably shouldn't bring it up because they didn't bring, read the whole article. But nevertheless, the point being, evil is being played out very clearly in the world that we live in. And so important to know these Bible events, one, that we would have comfort, that we would have peace, that we won't be surprised, and again, like I said at the beginning, this is the theme for all of this: that we know God is in control, because He is in control. So there's going to be a lot of supernatural, demonic things taking place in these end, in the end times prior to the rapture, uh, during that seven tribulation period. And uh, but I love how the Lord shows us here in verse 10 and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false, in order that they all may be judged who did not believe in the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. So God wants us to know, folks, that all this wickedness is going to be judged, he will indeed take care of it. And did you see that? This is a phrase that, oh my goodness, it says here, for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence. Now people ask the question, is God going to just send an influence that people will not have a choice of what they see, the evil that they see, and the things that they participate in? I believe this more speaks that God allows it all to happen because man is rejecting God. And he's going to let the consequences of that play out. He's going to let it run its course. And you look at the world today. There are so many people. It's like they are drinking some kind of Kool-Aid and it's this diluted influence because they're so wicked and evil. And I will say something about our government now. What we've witnessed these last couple days the wickedness of greed, the wickedness of not caring for the people that they are governing over, it is pathetic. But listen, God is going to judge the evil. Praise the Lord. He wants us to know that. He is going to judge the evil, the wickedness that's taking place. Now, what time is it? Oh, we got plenty of time. So listen, I talked about the Antichrist coming onto the scene. The Apostle Paul told the church and taught at the church of Thessalonica that the rapture, the day of the Lord, will not happen until this man of lawlessness appears, that he's revealed, the Antichrist. The day of the Lord, that seven-year tribulation, will not occur until a certain time in history. Now some point to the rapture has to take place, and that's partially true because the Antichrist will be revealed sometime after the rapture. But if we go to the book of Daniel, if we go to the book of Daniel, we see precisely when the Antichrist is going to reveal himself. And this is the prophetic event that is interesting, and it kind of sheds some light in the time that we're living in, And some things that have to take place before some very future prophetic things. Not the rapture. Nothing has to take place before the rapture happens, but things in the future. And I think that's key for you and I when we understand that, of lining up the things that are happening today. But Daniel chapter 9, and uh, let's go to verse 27. Boy, there's just so much to explain here, but just, uh, again, as a foundation thing here. Verse 27 says, And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering, and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate even until a complete destruction one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So the he here in verse 27 of Daniel is none other than the Antichrist. And it says that he will make a firm covenant with the many. Part of the many, and many refer that uh, to the many as being Israel. At some point after the rapture, The Antichrist is going to reveal himself when the Bible portrays the Antichrist as being someone who is going to be very charismatic. He's going to be a a leader of of a one world government. He is going to be very charismatic. He's going to have answers when it comes to uh, global economy. He's going to have uh, just oversee the global government, um, one world religion. One world military. And folks, we're seeing all of that line up now. The last decades upon decades, you've had president after president talk about a new world order. Well, that's going to come sometime. And that's one reason, folks, that uh, all this thing that's going on in the world today, um, that's one reason why I'm not fearful because God is in control because he tells in his word the direction this world is going in leading up to that one-world government. Now, I digress there. Look what the Antichrist does. He makes a covenant with Israel, and he says that in the middle of the week, a the middle of that seven-year period, the seven-year tribulation period, he's going to put a stop to the sacrifices and the grain offering. Now, the Bible tells us that there will be another temple built. And it points to the temple. This is interesting. After I was just there, uh, you know, less than two months ago, I was there at the Temple Mount where you have the uh, the Dome of the Rock, which is a holy site to Israel. Or excuse me, not to Israel, but to uh, the Temple Mount is to Israel, the Golden Dome for, uh, for Muslims. Um, but the Bible says that there will be the next temple built right there. And that's interesting because when you, right now there is no temple. The temple was destroyed in AD 70. And we know the temple is the place where the Jews would have their sacrifices and their offerings. And they have not had the sacrifices and the way the Old Testament taught them and foreshadowing there is no need of any more sacrifices because the Messiah, the Lamb of God, came to take away the sin of the world. And so God wants to know Or wants his people to know that the Messiah is the promised one but having said that there is going to be this third temple and there is going to be sacrifices and offerings and it's interesting for that temple to take place or to be built there and for these things to happen that covenant has to be made with the many and in that the covenant will include some kind of peace with Arabs and Jews That should really strike us in our hearts because that's never happened before. Again, going back to signs and wonders, supernatural things. Well, this is going to be a supernatural thing, but it's going to be a demonic thing because the peace isn't going to be real, but that temple will will be built. The sacrifices and offerings will take place. And then we have in the middle, as it says here in Daniel 9, verse 27, the abomination of desolation. Which, that is the time when the Antichrist will reveal for who he really is. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 24. Jesus taught this. So we have this prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 that points to time yet future, even after the rapture, into the tribulation period. And we see that Jesus, as he walked on this earth, taught these things to to his disciples. And it says, therefore, when, in verse 15 of Matthew 24, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Okay. So right there, Jesus speaks of this abomination of desolation. The first three and a half years of the tribulation, there's, it's going to be a more peaceful time. The Antichrist then is going to set himself up or the image and he's going to declare at that three and a half year mark in the temple that he is to be worshiped and that just brings in you know a bunch of other prophetic things that perhaps we'll look at again soon but again the tribulation period um the antichrist leading that in the middle of the three and a half year mark the, the abomination of desolation And then that last three and a half years of the tribulation period, known as the Great Tribulation, that is a time of literal hell on earth where God is judging the earth. And um, at the end of that seven years, the second coming of Jesus Christ. So um, if we have uh, any questions, I notice here on Facebook I'm sideways. I apologize about that, or it might just be my... uh, on my, I hope not, but any, anyway, I apologize for that. I mean, kind of I mean, rushed I mean, to get I mean, things I mean, ready and I'm didn't sideways. know. I apologize about no. that. Or it might be... So uh, anyway, I uh, if there's any questions, please message me. We went through a lot, but again, these are foundational things for us. Not to scare us, not to uh, not bring any comfort, just the opposite. God wants us to be comforted knowing that he is in control. So just to recap, the rapture. The next big thing on God's timeline, that is when Jesus, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, will descend from heaven, he will come, he will snatch away believers, and they will forever be with the Lord. And Then we also, after the rapture, we know that the Antichrist is going to reveal himself. He's going to make that covenant with the many. At the three and a half year point of the tribulation, he's going to show himself for who he truly is. He's going to be demanding worship. That last three and a half years, again, there are several things that happen. But at the end of that seven-year period, that is the second coming of Jesus. So we had the rapture and the second coming of Jesus, two separate events. So I pray that in this you are encouraged. I pray that it would uh, spark in your heart. To learn more about prophecy, I know that it's never uh, you never gain, uh, you know you never attain to the knowledge where you don't know anymore. You can say that about all of the Bible. That's the glory of being a student of the Bible, knowing God wants to show you these things, you know. But when we think of these things, not only to learn more, to have hope and comfort, but it really is the catalyst. Uh, to do what God wants us to do, to live out our lives here on earth according to His will. This is the catalyst for ministry. This is a very vital aspect of what churches should be teaching, you know, the times that we're living in, um, that, you know, it's just not rub them on the back and say life's going to be good, hope for the best. God is in control, and we can demonstrate through prophecy how God has intervened in history and has... Uh, has a wonderful plan um, for his people, so I pray that you know it would give us a boldness um, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, at the very least, be praying for those who don't know the Lord. Uh, as I mentioned Sunday, I know what's on my heart are some believers that uh, may may have made a professional belief, uh, a profession of faith. Maybe they're believers, maybe they're not. But they have heard the gospel. And now it's time for them to live for the Lord. And I want to let anybody know if they're struggling in their faith, if they have questions about their faith, if they're not assured in their faith, I want to hear from you because I want to share the word of God, what He says to bring comfort to you. But all of us know people that don't know the Lord. And again, there's going to be a time when the church is raptured. There's going to be that time of tribulation we want them to be raptured we want them to be in heaven for eternity amen let's have a word of prayer uh, i do want to bring out um, our sister karis uh, we've heard from her jenny Hefner's heard from her she is doing okay she is in isolation in israel she'll be coming home in april um, to at the time that she shared the message to jenny the virus had not hit them where they are at, so praise the Lord for that. She's in the midst of like 20 some people, and they've broken the groups up into smaller groups and uh, so um, uh, she's okay at this time, but she her flight has been delayed and canceled, so she won't be coming home until at least uh April 12th. so please be praying for her. So Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the truth. That we find in your word lord and you're a god of hope you're a god of life and it's your desire for your people lord to live to experience to be fully assured that in the midst of all that we're living in today that you are a god who is in control and i pray for my brothers and sisters here lord that they would too experience this even in their own trials whether it be in their family or Or work, or not being able to work, whatever it might be through uh, all of this, Lord, that we're living in. We pray that your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would bring comfort. Knowing that you're in control, knowing from these prophecies that you love us, you warn us, you encourage us. Lord, you also give through them the wonderful hope, our living hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I'll see you soon.